and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And Happy New Year all. We hope that you have had a fantastic holiday season and you are all chock-a-block ready to tackle projects in your home for this new year. We're ready. Are you ready, Leslie? I'm always ready. Are you kidding? I live for home improvement. I love it. It's time to get going. It's a new year. We've got new ideas. You've got new ideas. You've got new lists. You got new resolutions, things that you promised yourself you'll get done. Hey, call us. We are here to help. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Coming up on today's show, if you're tired of shoveling after every storm, we're going to talk about snowblowers. I mean, they can do the job for you, but they're not a one size fits all deal. We're going to teach you how to choose the best snowblower for your particular property. Coming up, and are you paying more than you'd like for your hot water? Well, sometimes the best money-saving tips are the easiest ones, and we'll tell you what you can do to start saving now. And also ahead is one of your New Year's resolutions to take more time to maybe enjoy life a bit. We've got tips on creating a hobby room for your special talents in just a bit. And one caller this hour is going to win a quick and easy way to make your garage door a smart garage door. We're giving away a universal MyQ garage door controller from Chamberlain. It is super easy to install, and with just Wi-Fi, you can monitor your garage door from anywhere. It's worth 129 bucks. going out to one caller drawn at random from those that reach us for today's show. So let's get to it. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Bill in Michigan, you've got the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? Well, I'm having a moisture issue um, in between... Um the fiberglass batting insulation and the foam board formula um, foam Owen Corning insulation that I put in. I'm okay. having moisture buildup in between the two layers of insulation. So you have two layers of insulation. You have both fiberglass and foam boards? Yes, sir. So what did you put on the... You had started with, with poured concrete walls? Yes. And uh, you attached foam to that or you left a gap? I, I attached foam to the poured cement walls and then I have, a, it's a walkout, so I have some knee walls that had some fiberglass batting. Is there any space between the knee walls and the foam insulation? No, sir. So generally when we when you when, when you use fiberglass on, an ex, on a basement wall, there's a special type of basement insulation that has fiberglass that's encapsulated inside a vapor barrier. Usually it's foil face, kind of looks like a big warm blanket. And it's designed specifically to be attached to the wall and uh, and give you uh, as much insulation as you can re- reasonably achieve um, in that sense. If you've got a lot of condensation in here, um, you, you may have another problem, which is that you've got too much moisture in that space. So let's deal with that first. The m- most common causes of moisture in a basement, you know, everything from a little bit of condensation to full-blown flooding, is poor drainage conditions, not inside but outside the house. So if your gutter system is uh, non-existent or if it is there and the downspouts, for example, are discharging too close to the corners of the foundation or if the gutters are blocked and they overflow, those are all great sources of moisture that will find its way into the basement. Those poured concrete walls, as solid as they are, they're very hydroscopic, they're very absorptive, and that water will pull right up into that wall and show up as condensation inside. So you want to make sure that you have good gutter system that's getting that water well away from the foundation. And you also want to make sure that the soil around that foundation slopes away 
We'd like to see it drop about six inches over four feet. And then once that's set inside the basement, you may need to add a dehumidifier uh, as well, working inside and outside to manage the amount of, of moisture that's in that space. Now, in terms of the insulating of the walls and the finishing of the walls, generally, if you're going to frame a wall, I would tell you to leave at least three or four inches between that and the foundation so that you do have some space back there. If it does get a little damp, uh, it can easily uh, ventilate and dry out. Uh, Once that wall is framed, one trick of the trade that I'll often use is I'll put sort of a dummy heating register into that wall, a couple down low and a couple up high, so that it moves some of that conditioned air through behind the wall and helps to uh, to keep it a bit drier. You know, managing moisture in a basement is always going to be a challenge, but if you approach it that way, uh, it's definitely a challenge that you can uh, uh, overcome. Well, great. That's, that, that's very helpful. Sounds uh, like it might work. All right, Bill. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Allison, Illinois is on the line. Alice has got a hard problem. She's got hard water. How can we help you today? I have well water, and uh, on the well water, I have um, iron, hardness, and manganese. And I do have uh, filters that I use with uh, salt bags. But I'm looking for something else besides those soap bags. There's another option that's an electronic option, and it's called Easy Water, E-A-S-Y-W-A-T-E-R. And essentially what Easy Water does is it installs to your main water pipe, and it sort of causes the hardness in the water to polarize in the sense that it doesn't stick to the fixtures anymore. And there's a lot of people using it now. It's been pretty effective, and it's an alternative to using a salt-based um, uh, solution for uh, for this particular water problem. They've been around for about 25 years. They seem to be a good company, do a good job. Take a look at their website at easywater.com. I know they've got a pretty good guarantee, so if you don't like it, you can send the unit back. Yes, great. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can call in your home repair, your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's the new year. What are you working on? Let's get your house in tip-top shape for 2016. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, could you use a few extra bucks this winter? We've got info on one inexpensive trick that can save you big on water bills. That and more when the Money Pit continues after this. You live in a Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to AIRDOCTORPRO.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT.
making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Happy New Year, all. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And hey, if you pick up the phone and call us right now with your home improvement question, we'll give you the answer and a chance to win a fantastic new product from Chamberlain. It's called MyQ, and it's a universal smartphone garage door controller. This will allow you to monitor and control your garage door from really any smartphone. You'll get alerts when the garage door opens and closes. It installs in minutes using your home's Wi-Fi network. You can pick one up at the Home Depot or at homedepot.com. It's worth 129 bucks, but going out to one lucky caller drawn at random from those that reach us for today's show. Make that you. Pick up the phone and call us right now with your home improvement question, your decorating dilemma at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Tony and George is on the line with a roofing question. How can we help you today? I wanted to uh, transfer from a shingle roof to a metal roof. And I wanted to know if leaving the shingles on would give me a better insulating factor and if there's any other pros and cons that you could advise me on. Well, leaving the shingles on gives you zero insulating factor. What it can do is add to the, the inefficiency of, uh, of your home's uh, insulation system because it'll act as a heat sink. It'll hold a lot more heat into that roof structure, and that will raise the temperature of the building, uh, costing you ultimately um, more air conditioning. It also um, can result in the roofing material, the metal roofing material, be appearing uneven. So I would strongly encourage you to strip off all of those shingles. I mean, metal roofing is a big investment. Let's do it once, do it right, and you won't have to do it again for like 100 years. So it's definitely worth stripping it off and starting from scratch. Yeah, also I noticed that it is much uh Better, easier to walk on than it would be if it was just lap boards with metal on top of it. Um, I could see that, but I mean, you shouldn't really have to do much walking on that roof once it's done. Yeah, yeah, once it's done, it should last my lifetime. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your advice on that. Well, you're welcome. Good luck with that project. I think you're doing a good thing. 888-666-3974. All right, now we're heading over to Patty in Illinois, who's got a toilet that is running constantly. Tell us what's going on. Well, it doesn't run constantly, but it runs about... Five seconds, you know, several times an hour, and it's gone to the point that uh, my water bill has gone up quite a bit, and I'm needing to know if I need a new toilet or if I need new seals or a new handle pump or what would you think? It's actually an easy fix, and I mean, this tends to happen kind of regularly. You know, unfortunately, people don't realize that there's actually some level of toilet maintenance because, you know, it's just an appliance in your house that's there and you use it and you expect it to work. But inside the tank itself, there's a fill and a flush valve, and those need to be replaced not that often, but, you know, every couple of years or so. And, of course, now that you're dealing with this water running issue. Um, Tom, is it Fluid Master? Yeah, Fluid Master is sort of a mainstay of, uh, of replacement valve parts. And, you know, they just wear out, Patty, over, over time. So this is a pretty easy fix. And, I mean, it's probably 10 bucks to get both of them. But if you go to Fluid Master's website, the only reason I recommend that is because on their website, they've got a really great how-to video. So you can actually see what the fill valve is, what the flush valve, the flapper valve. So you know exactly what you're looking at and how to replace it. And it's a really easy do-it-yourself project that you can, you know, do confidently and, you know, definitely decrease your water bill. Thank you. That that sounds wonderful. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for uh, taking my call. Love your show. You're very welcome, Patty. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
Well, it's simple science. Your water heater has to work a little bit harder in cold temperatures because it has standby heat loss. Now, that happens when the water loses plenty of heat through the tank's outside shell, which most often is made of metal. Ah, yes, but cutting down on that energy loss is really as simple as the addition of an insulating water heater blanket. Now, basically, it looks like a really thick blanket, and it wraps around the water heater. And what it does is helps keep that heat in and not let it out and get wasted. Mm -hmm. And you know what? They actually call them water heater jackets. And they can cost as little as 20 bucks, but they're going to save you big over the life of your heater. And they're especially effective on models that are older units that might not be that efficient. Yep. You just want to be careful with the installation. You need to basically not block the thermostat access if it's an electric water heater. Or if it's a gas water heater, you don't want to block the controls. That's along the bottom where the gas valve is. And then there's a flame plate there that where you have to reach in to light it occasionally. And you don't want to block the vent pipe at the top at all. So you keep that blanket just below the top of the water heater. And you make sure you cut sort of a wide swath um, around those controls so nothing gets too close to it. But otherwise, uh, it's a really good thing to do. And it will cut down on the cost of heating that water day in and day out. Greg from Iowa is on the line, is looking for some home maintenance tips. How can we help you? bought my new house, new construction, eight years ago. And uh, I'll be honest, kind of embarrassing, but I've really done zero home maintenance since. Other than changing the air filters every once in a while, I've done zero home maintenance things. Well, that's why you bought a new house. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But alas, it's time to take on a few projects, huh? What's going on in the house now? Um, No, there's nothing wrong. It was just more uh, of general maintenance that needs to happen, and I just don't know what to do. So... General maintenance. So first of all, uh, you know, when it gets chilly like it is now, uh, it's time for you to do some heating system maintenance. Now, what kind of fuel do you have? You have gas, natural gas? Uh, Yes. So it's important to have your heating system serviced. You've apparently not done that for eight years. You're well overdue. The reason for that is even though when you turn the heat on, it comes on and provides heat to your house, it could be doing so inefficiently, or at worst, it could be doing so dangerously. So every fall, you need to have your heating system cleaned and serviced to make sure it's running properly. And then in the summer, you'll have your air conditioning system serviced for the same reasons, not so much the danger, but more importantly, the efficiency. So those are two things you should be doing right now. And when your HVAC technician comes, he'll probably also take a look at the water heater because sometimes the burners can get coated with rust because natural gas is very corrosive when it burns. So that's the kind of thing that you probably need to do right away. The other maintenance tasks are really going to depend on, you know, kind of what's going on in the house. You know, if you've got a toilet that leaks or runs all the time, then you could need fill or flush valves. If you've got paint that's cracking or peeling, you could need paint. But the mechanical maintenance, I think, is most important because that's potentially dangerous. Does that make sense? It does. Now, are you seeing anything that you think needs attention? Uh, no, nothing, nothing much. It's just been, I think we've had a pretty lucky eight years and there's been no crises at all so you better be knocking on a piece of wood right now right it's uh so it's time to get to it maintained i suppose get some maintenance done for the hvac yes yeah and you know what's something you probably don't consider is your dryer vent you know the exhaust duct behind your dryer that exits the outside of your house a lot of people don't think to clean that because lint does go out there and then get to the outside and it can get stuck and it can get caught and you should be cleaning that at least once a year, probably twice a year. So I have to pull out the dryer to do that? Yeah, so you pull the dryer away from the wall. There's a product called, it's a Gardas Lint Eater is one of the ones that we've used, Tom and I, and you actually put it through the exit vent on the exterior of the house and you sort of twist it through with um, like a drill driver motor, but you have to be very careful and there's a certain direction you have to put it in. 
but it goes through and the amount of stuff that comes out i mean it's you've never seen so much junk well indeed well um thanks a lot for the tips anything else that comes up anything else you can think of that is or those the biggies oh there's so much to be done you know i think you just need to be aware but take care of those mechanical things because that's where you can get yourself in trouble okay all right thanks a lot all right good luck with that project thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit Marion, Missouri, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? My husband and I are trying to install central air in our home. It's the ranch style, and we bought the central air unit and the ductwork from a building that had been torn down. And I wondered if we could simply attach the ductwork, and then we've cut the holes in the wall in the ceiling for the vents. I wondered if we could just go ahead and attach the ductwork that was there from the previous building, or if we had to redo all the duct work. I mean, all the vent piping. I guess the answer is maybe. And the reason is because the duct design is going to be dependent on the building. And it depends on the size of the building and the distance that the air has to travel. And if it's not done right, what will happen is you'll either create a situation where you have either too much or too little heating or cooling. And and most likely you'll have too little. And if that happens, you end up wasting actually a lot of energy energy because the system has to run a lot more to try to make the building comfortable. So I would suggest to you that insofar as the duct design is concerned, you really need to have somebody that's experienced in designing these systems lay it out for you. It's definitely not a do-it-yourself project. It's not the kind of thing that you can tackle uh, even if you're very industrious first time out because you might get it wrong. It Depends a lot on the size of your building, how many windows are in your building, um, what what's where, where the building faces. I mean, there's a heat loss calculation that, that's that's done, and then based on that, you determine how much warm or cold air you have to get to each room. So you can't necessarily sort of just completely copy what was done in an old house, older house, unless it happens to be an identical house. So this is a point where. It's good that you got the equipment uh, inexpensively. You got the ductwork inexpensively. You do need to spend a little bit of money on getting it laid out properly, Mary, or you just won't be comfortable. Does that make sense? Yeah, that was what I wanted to check because we're pretty self-sufficient, but I had a feeling this might be more than we could tackle. I think that's a good idea. Mary, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Sharani in Colorado's on the line has a question about mold. What can we do for you today? The pipes have broken inside the walls, and we fixed the pipes and everything. Now we got this problem with the mildew and the mold. So we have we want to know what's the best way to treat it. Yeah, you know, first of all, when that happened, did you uh, file a claim with your homeowner's insurance company? No, we just got the house. We got it as is, so we're fixing oh. it before we move oh. in. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, well, is it a lot of mold or is it a little bit of mold? A lot. We're ripping out drywall, and as we rip it out, we're finding more. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. This is generally not a do-it-yourself project because when you have a lot of mold, you can contaminate parts of the house with this. I really think this is the kind of thing that you want to stop and get some professional help with, Sharani, because if you release all those mold spores into the air, you potentially could be causing a bigger problem. I mean, generally, when you have that that much mold, you say a lot of mold, you have to be careful about how you take that apart. What you generally do is you depressurize the house, you put fans in the house so that it pulls uh, the air out as you're breaking out that the drywall and so on, 
and flushes all of those mold spores to the outside. And then all of the framing gets sprayed down so that you kill anything that's left behind. You get it good and dry, and then you re-insulate and re-drywall. But it's a pretty big job. And when you have a lot of mold like that, you can be exposing yourself to that mold, and that could make you sick. So I would say to proceed very cautiously when you're trying to rebuild a house that's got heavy mold damage. It's uh, it's not an easy problem to resolve. Okay. So good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Still to come, is shoveling snow getting old already? Well, you can put some power behind snow removal with a snowblower, but you just have to make sure that you know which type is best for your needs. So we're going to get some tips from this old house landscaping contractor, Roger Cook, after this. This is Joan Amos. Now, when I'm not throwing a football around, I'm listening to Tom and Leslie. On the Money Pit Radio Show. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. By calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, winter has only just begun, but the cold weather blues can set in fast. Need a pick-me-up? Make a few small design changes. Check out Money Pit's winter decorating ideas for brightening up your home. It's on our homepage right now at MoneyPit.com. Well, when I was a kid... 
was the snow thrower. <laughs> but, but these days, shoveling snow is a chore that I'd rather avoid. I mean, my allowance doesn't get any kind of boost for doing that job. Well, I sympathize with you because my snow shoveling staff is dwindling because my kids are away at college. So I guess both of us... <laughs> could use a machine that can tackle the job quickly and without a ton of effort. But with so many mechanical snow removal machines on the market, how do you begin to choose? To help us, we welcome Roger Cook, the landscaping contractor for this old house. Roger, welcome. Thank you. First of all, have you tried to hire a kid nowadays to shovel? You can't find them. No, and they're pricey. (laughs) (laughs) They want like 50 bucks. Exactly. Oh, man. Remember I got paid in candy bars one time. Remember that? (laughs) I think I might still do it for candy, but I'm just saying. So first, tell me what's the difference between a snow thrower and a snow blower? Basically, it's stages. A snow thrower is a single stage machine. It has a blade that's turning very quickly that scoops the snow and throws it out the front of the machine. Okay. A snow blower is a two-stage machine where a blade turns slowly and feeds the snow into an impeller, which is moving very quickly, which sends the snow out of the machine. Okay, so I guess a snow blower is good for heavier snowfalls. Exactly. Because you're taking that snow and, and I guess probably more hard-packed snow and icy snow and grinding it up, essentially. Right, so that it's being brought into the machine, grinded up, and then pushed out very fast. Now, there's a third version of this called a called a, a three-stage snowblower. Yeah. That's sort of like both on steroids or what? <laughs> Pretty much. If you have a double-wide driveway with a big snowplow uh, mound at the end of it, right. this three-stage machine will throw it. And they say up to 50 feet, so make sure you're careful of the neighbors. <laughs> Good point. Okay. Is there one that's better for a different type of surface or perhaps an amount of area, depth of snow? There is. You think about, we start from the least amount of snow up to the most. Okay. Uh, Snow thrower, the single stage one, is good for maybe 8 to 10 inches of snow at the most because the uh, the opening on those machines is not very big. And if snow gets higher than that, you can't get the machine through. Mm-hmm. And it's not great on heavy, wet snow, and it's not great on the end of the driveway snowbank. That's for sure. Those snow trucks that come in, and after you've done a beautiful job shoveling... Fill it back in for you. They exactly. know just when they're done and they I come perfectly <laughs> timed always, right? With like icebergs that weigh 80,000 pounds. Right. But that's where the two-stage one, the snow blower, comes into place. That actually feeds the auger with that heavy, wet snow mm-hmm. and then throws it out. So it can chew up and eat much more denser, higher, or even snowplow pack snow. But will that work on a low quantity of snow as well, or do you have to have a combination of the two? Uh, it will. It'll do a good job. But usually when you have least amount of snow, you want that thrower because it's really quick and easy. The mm-hmm. thing with a snow thrower is if you have a gravel driveway, it'll dig down in and you'll be sending stone everywhere and cleaning it up all spring long. Okay. So. Now, besides the snow thrower and the two-stage machine, the snow blower, there's also a three-stage snow blower. You got to have a pretty serious storm for that. Yeah, you must live in Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a big machine. I mean, this thing is made to clean a double wide driveway with a big plow blow up in the end and they say it'll throw snow 50 feet. Wow. So wow. Be careful of your neighbor's careful house. Careful what you ask for, yeah. right? Exactly. So I guess the question is, how do you choose between the options? It's really down to the amount of snow you need to clear? Yes, it is. There's, there's just knowing what you're going to have to do. I mean, we don't want to be undersized, but we don't want to pay extra money and be oversized either. So let's start with, we talked about the snow thrower. That's good. Maybe, like I said, eight or 10 inches of light snow, it'll go through. But once it gets beyond that, and again, 
there's going to be times where it'll fit perfectly for the amount of snow you have. But Mother Nature doesn't always give you the same amount of snow and the same density. No, she does not. So it's better to oversize a little bit than it is to undersize. Yeah, bigger is always better. That's what find, we say, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> do you find that the the way it's fueled sort of impacts the power or, you know, the aggressiveness of the snowblower slash thrower? They're both gas powered for the most part. There are some electrical ones out there. For the most part, they're gas powered in the size of the gas engine. The snow mm-hmm. thrower has a very small engine. The, uh, the two-stage snow blower has a much bigger engine on it. Will you find electric options in both? Y- you will. You will. I have a little, uh, we call it a power shovel. Power yeah. shovel? Okay. Yeah, for the snow. You plug yeah. it in, you just go out on your deck, and it takes care of four to six inches of snow really? like that. Wow. It's amazing. But once it gets over that, you're lifting it up, and then it gets really heavy, and you can't do anything with it. The same thing, again, even an electric snow th- blower will work fine in a small amount of snow. So, Roger, if you want this snow blower or thrower to work when you really need it, what kind of maintenance do we have to do to keep it running? Well, you want to do the maintenance in the fall before the snow comes, mm-hmm. not being out there during a snowstorm, right. trying to get everything going again. Uh, make sure you have a, a new spark plug or at least a clean spark plug in it. But the most important thing is the fuel. I like to bake and make up a batch of fuel right before winter, that has stabilizer in it. So that fuel will stay good all winter long. The worst thing you can do is put aged gas that's not treated in the machine because it won't start. Mm -hmm. And how long will the fuel last with stabilizer? Three to six months, depending on what you use. And then one other key thing to remember is that in the two-stage models, they have shear pins in the blades that turn. And if they hit something, it'll break the shear pin. So always have a few of those extra hanging around. Let's talk about safety. That's going to be very, very important when you're using a snowblower and probably snow thrower as well. But you've got very powerful blades that are spinning with those machines. I still can't believe every year how many people are injured by sticking their hands inside a snow thrower. Or oh, blower. this blade is stuck. Let me free it with my hands. Yeah, <laughs> not a good idea. Never, ever put your hand inside of the machine. All the machines nowadays come with a small plastic shovel. Or you can take a piece of wood or something. If it does get clogged, shut it off. Go in there with a tool or the wooden um, stick. Get that loosened material. Get it out and then start it up and make sure it's cleared again. Do not ever put your hand inside a machine. Good advice. Roger Cook from TV's This Old House with tips on how to pick the perfect snowblower or thrower for your house. Hey, have a lot of fun in the snow. I'm going to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You can catch the current season of This Old House and ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you on PBS by GMC. GMC, we are professional grade. Still to come, would you love a dedicated space for your hobby? Whether it's a craft room, an art studio, or a woodworking bench, we've got tips to help you find and set up that space in your home after this. You live in a body pit. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.
making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call with your home improvement question right now or through the hour at 888-MONEY-PIT. We're going to help you out with whatever is plaguing your home in this new year, but we're also giving away a great prize. We've got up for grabs this hour the MyQ from Chamberlain. It's a universal smartphone garage door controller. So get this. It hooks up to any garage door opener that you've got in your house already, and it allows you to monitor and control your garage door right from your smartphone anywhere in the world. So you can be like, I don't know, on vacation and think, oh, geez, did I leave my garage door open? Well, boop. Now it's closed. How fantastic is that? It installs in minutes. You're going to get alerts when the garage door opens and closes, uses your home's Wi-Fi. You can check it out at homedepot.com, and it's a prize worth 129 bucks. Going out to one lucky caller, drawn at random, make that you. Pick up the phone and call us right now with your home improvement question at one eight 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 Money Pit. Well, could you use some space in your home to dedicate to perhaps a favorite hobby? Maybe you could use a workshop or a sewing room or maybe even a writer's nook or an art studio. Yeah, did you know that January is National Hobby Month? So there's really no better time than now to live your hobby-making dream. First of all, you've got to take time to imagine yourself actually working on your projects in the space. And once you've got your head wrapped around your happy place of whatever it is that your hobby is, what is it sewing, woodworking, whittling, whatever it is, now that you're in that place, what are the things that you need? Now, you can repurpose existing space into a hobby room or a workshop or a studio. Think about it. How would you use closet space with the doors removed? Hey, a little money pit secret, Leslie? Yeah. Well, you know this, but I guess our audience would not know this. The broadcast area in my uh, home studio used to be a closet. We turned it into a studio because it was perfectly shaped for that. We didn't need a lot of space. We lined the walls with the appropriate material, hooked up all the gear, and voila, we changed a closet into a personal broadcast studio. Well, you know, Tom, my whole month of recording The Money Pit during my stint in Indianapolis with HDTV, I had my whole studio set up in a closet. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So closets do make excellent spaces for work and play. Now, you can also reimagine existing spaces in your home that don't see a lot of daily action. So just because it's called the dining room doesn't mean you have to use it that way. I converted a dining room into a home office once uh, because we just needed the space. Yeah, and how many people actually use their fancy dining rooms? Not a lot. Now, guys, you want to also be considerate about power. So if your hobby needs a lot of juice, you want to make sure that you upgrade whatever power needs that you have, add extra outlets, lighting, whatever. This way you'll have the whole system running when you start your hobby making without any interruption. And remember this, if your hobby does involve any chemical fumes or dust or any tools that release an exhaust, you want to improve ventilation for your workspace. That should be top priority on your list. Yeah, good point. And don't cut corners on doing that sort of mechanical upgrade. Too many times uh, in the 20 plus years I spent as a professional home inspector, I found those types of uh, spaces, they were wired with extension cords and multiple outlets, and it was just a fire hazard any way you looked at it. So spend a little money, have an electrician come in, run some outlets, run some lights, make it comfortable uh, for you, and most importantly, make it safe, and then you'll really have a space you can enjoy and use well. 888-666-3974. Let's get back to the phones. Sandra in North Carolina is on the line. How can we help you today? We're trying to decide which quality of filter to use for our furnace filter switch out. Should we use the ones that are cheaper, like the four for $2, or should we use the HEPA filter quality ones that are like $20? 
for your furnace filters when you change them out. Well, with filters, you're definitely getting what you pay for. And it really depends on what the situations are with everybody in your house. Now, the less expensive a filter, you know, the thinner that membrane is going to be. And of course, the wider that webbing is, if you will. So it's really not going to stop very much. You know, Tom and I always joke that they're called pebble stoppers because that's really the only <laughs> thing that's not getting through exactly. there. Exactly. So it, it really depends. You know, the less money you spend, the less things that are getting trapped. If you've got somebody with allergens in the house, you want to spend a little bit more money because you're definitely going to get what you pay for. Okay, so I need to go to a quality filter because I have a lot of allergies. And the people that that built the house they had to go with the cheaper filter so you couldn't let air circulate. Yeah, well, look, a good quality filter does not block the air, whether it's, uh, you know, one that's designed for better filtration or one that's designed for lesser filtration, none of these things block the air. So if you have allergy issues, you have asthma issues, you definitely want to use a good quality filter. And if you want the ultimate infiltration, what you might want to think about doing at some point is installing an electronic air cleaner. This is a device that's built into the HVAC system right near the furnace generally. And these are incredibly efficient at taking out, you know, 95% plus of the contaminants that are in the air. I mean, these electronic air cleaners can, today can take out microscopic sized particles. Okay, well, I really appreciate your information. You've been very helpful. Still ahead on the program, could your bathroom use a pick-me-up? Well, Wayne's coating is a timeless touch and it's really great for small rooms, making them stand out. Really easy to install. We'll tell you how when we come back. Hey, they, they The Money Pit is brought to you by Glisten. Glisten makes it easy to clean, freshen, and maintain your dishwasher, disposer, microwave, and washing machine. So improve the performance of your appliances with cleaning solutions from Glisten, the machine cleaning experts. Visit glistencleaners.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, hey, if you thought gift buying was expensive, try dealing with ice dams. They can cost you plenty of time and money this time of year, so make sure it does not happen to you. We've got tips and ideas for preventing ice dams in your home on our homepage right now at moneypit.com. All right, well, moneypit.com is filled with a lot of very, very useful information. If you've got a specific question, you can post it in the community section, just like Brian did, who writes, we have a very small bathroom that has no character at all. How do we give the room the decorative makeover it needs? Well, you know, you could do a pretty easy bathroom makeover with wainscoting. You know, that's where you put the paneling kind of up about halfway up the walls. I mean, bathrooms can be really hard spaces to work in, but you can really make the room stand out no matter how big or small that space is, right? You know, and that's wainscoting really is kind of perfect for a bathroom. It really looks you know, clean and traditional, and it breaks up all of that paint, If especially if you're dealing with a powder room and it's just like a small space of all of one solid color. And it's pretty easy to do. You can buy a four by eight sheet that looks like beadboard and, you know, just cut it to the right height that you need because those vertical lines run the eight foot spans of it. Cut it to the height you need, get some trim pieces for the top. You can even put like a small little leaner ledge depending on the size of your space, which could work for, you know, a variety of things in the bathroom. Um, it's really a great way to make a big change for very little money. All right, we've got a post here from Tess who writes, I have a problem with gaps between the exterior walls of my kitchen and bathroom and countertops. The wall seems to be expanding and contracting, leaving a gap between the wall and the countertop. Is there any way to correct this problem? The counters seem to be anchored properly, but what can I do to fix it? 
Actually, I've seen that many times, Tess. It's a pretty common problem. It can be worse if the countertop is out of square. But it happens because the walls are actually moving. They're expanding and contracting, and that's what causes that gap to get wide or shrink, dependent on the weather. Now, there are a couple of ways you can address this. If the gap is less than, say, about a quarter of an inch, you can simply caulk the crack. The way I do this is I would put some flexible rod in that in that gap. I would shove it down between the back of the countertop and the wall. It's like flexible rod is like sort of a foam tube, it looks like. And what that does is it will prevent the, the caulk from falling too far down behind uh, that countertop space. Now, you want to use acrylic latex. And the reason for that is because it's flexible and it'll stretch as the walls move with the weather. Now, your second option is to add a small piece of molding across the top of the countertop and then actually cover that gap. If you do that, the molding will sort of ride back and forth. You want to attach it to the wall, not the counter. It will sort of ride back and forth as that wall expands and contracts and always cover it. I would recommend using, we were just talking about ASIC. I would use something like that, some kind of composite material, because there's also going to be a lot of water and moisture to deal with there. And it'll be a lot easier to clean if it's composite uh, rather than uh, wood molding. And you know, composites do, as Tom said, clean up so very easily. They're super easy to install and they paint very, very well because they come pre-primed. All you have and filling all of the nail holes as you can use a little bit of paintable caulk and that really does a good job with the tricks. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Thank you so much for spending this first show of the brand new year with us. We really do appreciate you calling in. You're writing us at moneypit.com, sharing your ideas, your inspirations, your dreams for your own home with us. We are so pleased to help you. Remember, you can reach us 24-7 on moneypit.com's community section, as well as on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash themoneypit. The show can continues online. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 